Blog Talk Radio. House Mysteries on the BookSpeak Network. I'm Sherry Knowlton. Um, I write the Alexa Williams series of suspense novels, Dead of Autumn, Dead of Summer, Dead of Spring, and Dead of Winter. A new novel in the series will be released in early 2021. And hi, I'm former professor of composition and literature, Jane West. I write the Carlotta Crime Case series, Dying for Vengeance, Courting Doubt and Darkness, Darkness at First Light, and Had a Dying Fall, all featuring homicide detectives Christopher Snow and Aaron McCoy. They're available on Kindle, and that series is bundled together for eleven ninety-six. What a deal. My newest <laughs> crime case, <laughs> Things Strangled, was released last September, and I'm currently working on a biography or slash historical novel. Wow. Today's podcast is targeted to authors, although we think that our tips could be useful to anyone who does a lot of writing, whether for publication or for work. Um, Jody and I are going to give you some tips on editing your manuscript. Most of what we'll discuss today should be done before you even begin to seek a publisher for your work. Um, but I found that applying some of these techniques again and again as your book goes through the publication process is useful as well. Well, now, so you've written a book, a collection of store stories, or even a master's thesis. Whether it's taken you years or just months, you've finished the manuscript, and now you want to see it on the bookshelf at your local bookstore. Well, good luck with that. It's highly competitive, but congratulations. Getting to this point is a goal that many people wish for, but fewer accomplish. So stop, celebrate, go out for dinner in a socially distant setting, or cook a special meal at home. And then let the manuscript sit for a few weeks. I call it percolating. Then pick it up again and assess. Is it ready to be sent to a publisher or to self-publish? So today we're not going to talk about agents, query letters, or any of the complicated process of finding a publisher or the steps to self-publishing as an alternative. Instead, what we're going to concentrate on is what you need to do to make your manuscript the most professional document it can be before it takes its first flight into the world. So the first question is, does your manuscript word count fit the typical length of a novel in your genre um, or, you know, short story collection or whatever? Um, I remember my first book. I thought I'd nailed it. After all, I'd been writing for months, and I had a manuscript that told the story I wanted to tell. But then I did some checking and realized that what I'd written fell well short of the 90,000 words of a typical mystery or thriller. So, 
I went back and I realized, that, well, I needed to flesh out my characters, add more description, and enhance the manuscript. And actually doing that made it a better book. And um, I was able to snag a publisher for it, Sunbury Press. Uh, what I didn't realize being a novice was that original manuscript was a good start but needed a lot more polish. Now, there are exceptions to every rule, uh, but the chances are that you'll convince the publisher that you've written a unique gem like Hemingway's very short The Old Man in the Sea or James Joyce's very long Ulysses. Both of those are slim. So if your manuscript is well below or above the word count rules of thumb, in the industry, you may want to amplify or edit. And here are some examples of word counts for fiction novels. Um, mainstream romance, 70,000 to 100,000 words. Um, 100,000 seems a little bit on the long side to me. Science fiction fantasy, um, there you have some leeway, 90,000 to 120,000, sometimes um, you know, think of uh, George R. R. Martin, 150,000 words or more in trilogy. Historical fiction, 80 to 100,000. Uh, our genre, Joan and uh, my genre, 70 to 90,000 words. Young adult, a little bit shorter at 50 to 80,000. Now, nonfiction um, is more unique. Uh, depends more on your subject matter. But some general guidelines are standard nonfiction, 70 to 80,000 words. Uh, a memoir can be at 80 to 100,000. Okay. So your manuscript is in the general ballpark for the word count. What's the next step? Well, I'd advise that you make sure you have the basics down. Nothing can ruin an agent or publisher's first look at a submission than misspellings, grammar errors, and incorrect punctuation. So read through that manuscript carefully, line by line, and with the help of spell check and the dictionary if necessary to make everything, make sure everything's in good shape. Now, once you finish, do it again. And then again, perhaps backwards. Reading backwards helps to see the words as words and not just as phrases in a part of a sentence. Tools like software Grammarly are designed to automatically find errors for authors to review. I had one experience with Grammarly that color codes labels highlighting the errors. For example, yellow signified passive voice constructions like all my marigold blooms were eaten by rabbits. Active voice is actually preferred. Rabbits ate my marigold blooms. But another excellent approach for this task is to enlist readers, other readers. Find another friend or an author who was a whiz in English and ask them to review and edit your document. It's amazing how many misspellings, extra words, and more a manuscript contains after it's read multiple times, especially if it's digital. Often a different reader will catch mistakes like homonyms, words that sound alike but are misused in that context, 
like waste, meaning around a human being's middle, and waste, W-A-S-T-E, meaning trash. Another source of help is a style manual. Most publishers, <coughs> excuse me, like newspapers and magazines, rely on a style manual to ensure in consistency of a wide range of factors involved in the presentation of sports, of sports, <laughs> of a format of their books, like most of the newspapers use AP. These range from do you use initials, OK, or do you spell out OK, OKAY, to are numbers written numerically, like the Arabic numerals 1, 0, or in word form, like T-E-N, or when you capitalize the word president. Many publishers use the Chicago Style Manual. Style manuals can be found at halfprice.com or many used bookstores and bookstores and even libraries have them. And preparing a manuscript for presentation, probably consistency on these issues is more important than the actual style manual you use. I think you're right. Um, you know, not quite as obvious or definitive as the nuts and bolts of writing, such as grammar and the other in, uh, items that Jody mentioned, are what I'd call hidden pitfalls that make your writing look less polished. You need to be on the lookout for these and address them before you send out your manuscript. At least that would be our recommendation. Uh, the first one to I want to talk about um, is overused words and phrases. Now, almost every writer falls prey to this trap, uh, but knowing that you're going to do it and that they're there is key to weeding them out. For example, I start way too many sentences with the word but. But that's not surprising because apparently I also do that when I talk. Early on in my writing, I, I learned that I should avoid both but and so to start sentences. I also learned that habits are hard to break. So I use word search uh, to ferret out all the buts and so's that slip through and keep only the essential ones. Uh, also, we all have our go-to phrases that creep into our work, um, and those can change from time to time. Um, on my latest novel, which is at the publisher right now, it's in the editing process, I realized as I read a final draft that I had my heroine sighing so much that the pages should have been rippling in the breeze. Um, <laughs> she, she sighed. She sighed in relief. She sighed and rolled her eyes. So one of my editing tasks was to find other ways to convey what I meant to avoid those overused phrases. Along that line, uh, you need to be uh, alert for overused words, not just go-to phrases throughout the document, but especially when they're in close proximity, like on the same page or, uh, you know, if your hero sprints in the first paragraph, you don't want him sprinting again on that page, even if the action continues to have him in full flight. He can race or rush or speed or pick up the pace. Just don't use sprint again for a while. 
Um, I find that reading your manuscript with a special focus on repetitive words helps winnow them out. And also, it's a good idea to make a thesaurus your friend. Oh, and you know what? It's easier if you read it out loud, but I think you might be addressing that point later. But another hidden pitfall is wordiness. Words cost money to print. So you, if you can delete words and the sentence still makes sense, then you can lim- lim- eliminate those lazy words. For example, if I were to write, Aaron is the type of person who's impulsive. So she may act before she thinks. Not a good trait in a detective. Okay, here's a less wordy one. Erin's impulsive actions endanger her and her partner. Yes, my revision changes the meaning a bit, but it's a tighter sentence and it's an active voice and therefore that makes it better. Tighter probes moves the action along more effectively. You know, Jody, you're right about wordiness being a problem. Um, personally, I've always wanted to emulate Ernest Hemingway and his elegantly spare prose. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of controversy about Hemingway these days, as there is about everything, but I, I love his prose. However, I spent most of my working career in and around government. I wrote regulations, legislation, bid proposals, And the unspoken rule in government writing is why use one word when you can use seven. So one of my (laughs) biggest challenges (laughs) when I began to write um, fiction was my tendency toward overly, overly wordy sentences. Say that again. Five novels later, and I'm still working on this, uh, and I'm trying to achieve a stripped-down sentence a la Hemingway, but I find that that's still pretty far from my reach. Um, You know, a specific area where I see authors use too many words or stilted words is in dialogue. So uh, checking your dialogue for authenticity, uh, you know, to make it sound real is another pre-submission check. You know, good written dialogue sounds like a conversation you'd hear out in the real world. Uh, or in the world that is the setting of your novel. Obviously, a conversation in 17th century England or in the galaxy of out there in space somewhere might sound different than the conversation in a contemporary living room, but it should flow like real people talk or real aliens talk. You know, it's, it's harder to self-edit dialogue that you've written. So as Jody said earlier, a technique that can be really helpful is to read the dialogue out loud to yourself or others. If you find yourself tripping up on, uh, you, you know, in all the words or wondering well, who would say something like this, then it's time to make some adjustments. Well, and then too, on the other hand, dialogue is the one area in your manuscript where you can let an occasional cliche creep in. After all, in real life, most people do use cliches when they're speaking. But personally, I try to avoid cliches in both my dialogue and elsewhere in my novels because they're tired and overused. Um, When I taught, I called these lazy words. Hot as hell, apple of my eye, sweet as honey, 
or why does a sheet are examples of those overused similes and metaphors because they've been you know used by other authors. <clears throat> it's worth the effort, extra effort to think of a fresh way to say what you want to communicate, like Emily Dickinson's "The Sun Rose a Ribbon at a Time." Now, how's that for originality? Why stretching out a metaphor that's too long that it distracts the reader, like? These country roads that stretch out like undulating snakes crawling over the rocks. Instead, the serpentine country road curved or zigzagged for miles. Also, there is, there are uh, constructions that take up too much space and they don't add any meaning. So they're another example of wordiness that you should delete from your manuscript. Well, by now... Some of you are maybe saying, whoa, all these reviews and edits for this and checking for that, you're talking about a whole lot of work. And um, actually, you're right. Getting a novel ready for submission and publication involves many, many rounds of editing. Proofreaders and editors comb through a book multiple times before it goes to print, um, even after what we're talking about with what, what the author should do. Um, and even then, um, some mistakes slip through. But tools and techniques can help. I'm pretty old school myself, uh, maybe because that's because I'm, I'm pretty old. Um, but I rely <laughs> on track changes in Word as I work on a novel. Uh, and lucky for me, that's how my editor uh, at Sunbury Press reviews and edits my books as well. Um, but there are newer and fancier tools on the market, like Grammarly and Scrivener, uh, which check for errors, wordiness, and stilted prose. In fact, I just read about something um, the other day, and I forgot to write down the, the name of it, but there's a, um, a, a tool that will actually read your novel to you, um, to, so that helps achieve that thing we were talking about earlier about, you know, reading your dialogue. Uh, so there's all sorts of tools out there on the market that you could check into. And actually, two of the best tools to use for editing are low-tech. One you can do yourself. I always let my third draft rest because sometimes we authors bury ourselves in the story so we often lose perspective. You read over a sentence, you don't even see that the word is missing. Your mind fills it in because it, it knows that that's what you meant to include. Or you don't realize that there's a critical flaw in a key scene, or you forgot to wrap up a storyline and you left something hanging, uh, or you maybe said the character's eyes were brown in early chapter one and now you have them blue. Um, but coming back refreshed after a hiatus, from, from the manuscript, it, it, that helps us identify those problems. But we strongly advise that you use beta readers or a critique group to give you feedback as well. Fresh eyes really help, um, but especially ones that haven't you know, been used to create your story like you have. Um, they can often find those things I just mentioned because they have a distance from your manuscript, and they can also give you suggestions on how you might fix or improve the manuscript. And, you know, going back to the amount of work, believe me or believe us, 
when we say at some point you're going to have to put in the work to make your manuscript as flawless as possible. If an agent or a publisher asks you to submit 10 pages uh, in response to your query, um, or hallelujah, your entire manuscript, you want to put your best foot forward. You want them to be reading the very best, most well-edited version of your submission um, and not to be distracted by misspelled words or your uh, repetitive use of the word artichoke, for instance. Uh, Then, when your manuscript is accepted for publication, you're also at a much better starting point for the official editing process um, because you'll have a professional book editor editing your book maybe three or four more times depending on... um, you know, how the process goes and your particular editor, editing team. Let's talk for a minute about authors who decide to go the self-published route, which is quite popular these days. Authors like Melissa Miller, who's uh, also uh, writes detective and lawyer thrillers, have had wonderful success with self-publishing because she said she owns, you know, the rights so she gets 100% of the royalties. We highly recommend that self-published authors, no matter how proficient you are at writing and style, hire a competent copy editor or a content editor. A number of writers choose Amazon because they walk the novelist through the publication process for a fee. But for all these reasons Sherry and I just mentioned, it's crucial to have another set of eyes review your work. And for all the successful self-published books out there on Amazon and elsewhere, twice as many or more novels are riddled with poor grammar, misspelled words, or even misspelled use of other words, you know, other problems. I've read a few books that read more like first drafts than finished books, and, and that's a problem because even the best authors have errors that slip through. But the last thing a serious author wants are reviews that talk more about typos and errors than the story. We want readers to focus on the plot and the characters and the theme. But whatever route you choose, find a competent editor who can help you publish and polish your book so that it's the best that it can possibly be. No, as see there I did. I started it with so. Uh, <laughs> that's why I have to edit for so's and buts. As we come to the end of today's podcast, um, Jody and I hope our editing tips have have helped. Um, the, the the basic message is when you think your manuscript is finished, edit, edit, and then edit again. Uh, then go to the next step whether it's traditional publishing or self-publishing. And before we wrap up today, um, we also want to give a shout-out to the professional book editors. Um, You know, these are the people who dedicate themselves to making authors' novels better, uh, and uh, they frequently make a big difference. Uh, They fix, uh, find and fix all the errors. They tweak scenes. Um, They tweak aspects, suggest uh, changes to aspects of the plot to really make the story shine. And I think it takes a special kind of person with a love for detail and a passion for literature to make editing their career. 
Um, I certainly know my books have benefited greatly from my editor's involvement. And I have to agree. Before we sign off, a reminder to all you readers and listeners out there, our books are available at Sunbury Press's online bookstore, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other online retailers and bookstores. And a special thanks to all of you out there listening to Milford House Mysteries. If you enjoyed our program, pass the word along about listening to our Milford House Mystery series. Our next podcast is on September the 17th, that's a Thursday, at 2.30 p.m. when we interview book marketing expert from Sunbury Press, Joe Walters. In the meantime, you can listen to any of our previous podcasts. The the Milford House Mysteries are all available on the BookSpeak Network, um, and now they're uh, available as Apple Apple. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, sorry, on iTunes. Uh, please follow us on social media. I'm on the web at www.sherrynolton.com. Plus, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm everywhere. <laughs> and I'm on facebook.com forward slash Carlisle Crime Scenes by Jane West. And my website is www.carlislecrimecases.com. Until next time. Thanks for listening to our editing tips and hope that they were helpful. Mm-hmm.